Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UConn Hockey Podcast. My name is Matthew, and I'm here today joined by uh, Kevin. Uh, the last episode of the season, and obviously whenever it's the last episode, it's usually a pretty sad one just because UConn uh, season ended a couple of Saturdays ago after losing to UMass Lowell 2-1 to in the Hockey's quarterfinals. Um, we're not really going to talk too much about that game because I feel like every for for all the people that have listened to this podcast probably saw the game and know what happened. But uh, what were just your thoughts on the game and what took place? Just disappointing, you know. I, it they did the one thing you couldn't do against Lowell, and that was fall behind. Like Lowell's the perfect team in hockey. That if you get a you know two goal lead on them, you know throw the confetti, you know, you're going to the garden, it, it, but it was the exact opposite. They're the last team. I'd rather fall behind against BU than I would Lowell, to be completely honest, that that defensive system that Bazin plays and, you know, those goals were weak on Sergeyev and granted he bounced back. He finished strong. You know, there were a couple breakaways that really could have put the game out of reach that he, that he stopped, but you got to have those Gringles totally outplayed them. And, you know, it, you know, Cap was making a big deal, like the shots on goal. Yeah, you know, I, I guess it was just the slow start, and there were some good chances, but there were also, you know, you know, four or five floaters for every good chance. So it it was it was a tough way. It's always tough to end the year, right? Like I just felt like if we had if we had won that game and got to the Garden, house money. If we play. You know, you know, kind Merrimack. of shitty the garden and yeah. and lose that game. It's like, ah, what? A, this, this was a great, yeah, a great season, good way to end it. But it was is disappointing losing that game on home ice. Yeah, I think I'm going back through all the playoff losses. There's been a lot of ones where it's like, you know what? UConn just wasn't the better team. It is what it is. Those were a lot of the early year playoff losses. Then there's been some really angry losses, like the one against Providence. That one will forever be one of my like least favorite games just because they played so poorly in that. Uh, this one was just frustrating because I thought UConn played better than Lowell throughout pretty much this entire game. Uh, they had the puck a lot. They sustained a lot of offensive zone time, and they got a lot of shots on that. And frankly, there was only like Lowell only had two or three good chances in the last 40 minutes of that entire game. And it just felt like they couldn't get one past Greagles no matter how hard they tried. And uh, they did get sort of a weird goal towards the end, but unfortunately that wasn't enough. And that's sort of the norm base and um, motto, just get the lead and just hold it. And Lowell had a great net front presence. They found a way to block shots, and uh, they found a way to win the game, and UConn unfortunately couldn't. So it was just more frustrating for me because I thought they played really well, and I thought they were definitely good enough to go to the Garden. And unfortunately that just didn't end up happening. Yeah. I agree. It was, uh, and it's never, you know, they could have gotten to the garden and we'd still be sitting here and <laughs> lose that semifinal and be like, oh, you know, like rough end of the season. You're, you're not going to be happy unless, you know, you walk away with some sort of trophy and maybe an appearance in the NCAA tournament. Then I'll, then I'll walk away with a season ending loss, happy as a clam. But until yeah. then. Not so much. I thought Connolly had a great his article for the recap article was perfect. A disappointing overachievement, and that's the best way I feel like to describe this season because they had a good start, they had some really good wins, but you felt like this team could have done more this season. At least this is how I feel, and unfortunately they just had some really tough losses after that Cornell blowout that, and it just knocked them out of the NCAA tournament, and then obviously uh, they lost their hockey's playoff game as well. I'm just curious what your overall thoughts were on the season when we look back on it right now. Yeah, it was it was a roller coaster, right? I mean, you, you, that 
the best start they've ever gotten off to. Like Cavs teams have, it's just, it's funny how this one was just so polar opposite of like literally any other team in the past. Cavs teams have always gotten off the slow starts. You know, their, their non-conference has always been really mediocre at best. And then they just finished the season just on fire. And this season was just a total reversal. Um, they, you know, almost pretty much steamrolled through non-conference and got off to a great start in hockey East. And then I don't know the, you know, the, the wheels just kind of fell off towards the end and they started to get it back a little bit, but never like fully. And I don't know. It just, it's, it's, it's tough. I like, like going in, I think I remember, you know, last summer doing like the pods with you, the spaces with you and, you know, given our expectations and everyone was on there and, you know, I think we all thought to a certain extent it was it was going to be you know a, a rebuilding year. Yeah, you were I think a little more optimistic than most. I, I said transition like right. year, transition yeah. year. That's what yeah. I thought. But I didn't think they would make the tournament this year. But I thought they could at least make it to the Garden. Yeah, and it's just like those early season results. You know where we were in pairwise in the rankings and the USCHO ranking. It was just. It was fool's gold, but you know, it gave us this hope and you know, like, oh wow, you know, forget the forget the transition, the rebuild, you know, like we're you know, we're here. So um yeah, it's 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 just a tough way to end it. Overall, it was a good season. You can't really complain. Like it you know, if you had told me before the season that we're gonna win we're gonna have another twenty win season back to back. We are going to finish fourth place in hockey East for the second consecutive year after losing all that we lost in the off season in terms of returning players. Um, I mean, yeah, I would have signed up for that in a heartbeat. You know, it, it was, it was just the way that, that it went, that it, it kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth. I think that's yeah. the best way to put it. Yeah. I think there was a lot of good things to take away from this year. I think one Matthew Wood uh, living up to expectations. That was something that I was sort of interested to see because part of me thought maybe he's going to get off to a slow start. But literally after that first game of Vermont, when he got that one-timer goal, you knew he was going to be an impact player. And that was some, that was probably my favorite part of the season was seeing how, how just how good of a player he'd sort of developed into. And whatever team drafts him in the first round this year, I think is going to get a really solid prospect. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, the I, I was saying at the last game, you know, like, if that kid had even like average skating, I think it'd be a top five pick. Like yeah. his his talent, his size is absolutely undeniable. Like he and and he got better. Like he, he never really flamed. Like he was there was a little lull in the middle of the year. But I honestly, ever since the LIU game, I thought he was one of the best players on the team. Yeah, yeah. No, he like you know you thought you'd think he'd hit that freshman wall, but he really didn't. And you know he was he was fantastic. You know he can't like like you said. I I agree. That's certainly a bright spot heading into next year. And then the goaltending I thought was a bright spot as well. I know uh, there was a lot of conversation around Sergeyev in the playoff game. To be honest with you, anyone that says Sergeyev lost UConn that game is just wrong because they just couldn't score. That's why they lost that game. And I thought the tandem worked very well with Turnus and Sergeyev. But at the same time, I feel like I kind of hope Cav, maybe this is just me, I feel like you got to find one guy because I think the rotation thing doesn't work Unless you have, unless, unless it works, it either works really well or really doesn't work well. And I think Cav did a good job with the rotation. I'm just thinking like to myself, maybe they have to pick one guy at some point later in the season. Like, like maybe during that BC series, kind of probably should have stuck with Sergeyev. And since you knew he was going to be your playoff starter, but then again, I feel like you're seeing more tandems in college hockey. Like Merrimack started 
uh, one goalie on the semifinal game, and then they started another one in the championship game. So uh, maybe I'm just maybe I just don't know what I'm talking about. But I really liked the goaltending this year as well. That was something that stood out to me because Darian was probably the best goalie in UConn hockey's history, and that's a really tough footsteps to follow. And both Sergey Vinternis did a good job doing that. Yeah, I, that was pretty ballsy on Merrimack, huh? Like, I, I <laughs> saw that, that they started Olas, I think, in the championship, and then Borgiel in the in the semis. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would have done that. I don't even think Cavs would have done that. Really? Um, I was like, I could see him doing that, maybe. I don't know. That's, that's <laughs> At that point, you got to know who your guy is. But, um, yeah, I, you know, goaltending, I think, was the big question mark coming into the year, right? Because, I mean, Turnus played that one game at AIC last year, and he was injured for most of the season. You had Sergey, this highly touted rookie, coming in, and um, – it's funny, goaltending was literally the least of our of our problems this year. They they were both really really good. Um, I, I almost I I swear, I, and until unless Cav himself tells me different, I I wholeheartedly believe the reason he stuck with that kind of rotation throughout the year is in college hockey in in college sports these days with the transfer portal. You're seeing it if, now. If if he if he just said. All right, Logan, you're a guy the rest of the season for the second half of the year, or same thing to our, you know, Arseni. The, that other tender is gone. They're going to be like, all right, like, thanks for everything. I'm going to start, you know, at this other school, you know, so I, I really think that was, unless there is one goalie that is decidedly better than the other, mm-hmm. like a, a certified one in a, in a two, um, I think you kind of have to these days because you'll lose one of them to the portal, no doubt about, about it. And I, I you know, I'm sure, you know, in a perfect world, Cav would like one to take the reins, but they both played really well, and it would have been unfair to kind of, you know, like like you said, I mean, Turnus had that one game against Cornell that was kind of a mess, but... And the know. Merrimack game, too, where they lost 7-3. to That was not a good game. Not for, and that wasn't Turnus's fault. That was really just the, the team sort of, like, their focus got shifted after that non-call against Cornell. And even, even Cornell, like... Those six goals weren't all unturned. Yeah. You know, like the team didn't show up that game. So, you know, it's just like, you know, you, you throw Sergey even, what, what do we win that game or lose that game four nothing instead of yeah. six nothing? Like, give me a break. So, um, yeah, I mean, overall, I think the goaltending was great. Um, I, I think it'll only get better, honestly, now that, you know, Sergey has a year under his belt. He knows what to expect. I, you know, he. I think he needs to rein it in a little bit. Sometimes he can be a little off. He needs to get a mask too. That's another thing. Yeah. I couldn't stand the white mask. I thought that looked so bad on the ice. Yeah. I, I I was sure he was just getting it painted, but then it never like came <laughs> in. Or I don't know if it's on you know supply issues with the goalie mask or what. But uh, but yeah. So overall, I, that was a, certainly a pleasant surprise. I think it was a major reason why we were as good as we were this year. Um. And given that both are presumably coming back, I, I think that's going to be a huge, huge for our team next year. June first, we'll know for sure because that's when the portal closes. I think it's like a sixty-day window or something like that. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So, and then the last positive I had for the team was how some players stepped up. Um, Hudson Shandor, for example, I thought he was going to be like a second, third line type of guy, and he was honestly probably one of UConn's best players this year, and he's definitely going to be the captain for next year, if I had to guess. And then I really like Samu a lot. I thought Chase Bradley stepped up this year. And then you saw it with players like Harrison Reese, Jake Quinn, and um, Andrew Lucas. They were really good players, and they really filled in those roles well that we were sort of concerned with uh, from the departures from last year. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, Samu, um, I think it took a little while to adjust, but I think once you get, you know, I mean, come in middle of the season with the visa issue and everything, like, you know, like, yeah, so he really came on at the end. I think he's definitely going to be a great player for us next year. Um, yeah, I, I think overall, there, like you said, Chandor, uh, phenomenal. Connolly Percival, too. Thing. That's it. That's another guy that I keep forgetting about, but he had a really good year as well. Yeah. The only one is, I don't know that I would agree with Bradley. I, 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 I he had his games though. You have to admit that. What's that? He had his games though. You have to admit that when no, he was he just did. their best player. I, I just, I, I expected more from him this year. Honestly, I expected a bigger jump and I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't see it. I, there were times when he took penalties like Capone too. Um, you know, I, I, I would have liked to have seen a little more yeah. from him. Lucas. Lucas started out on fire, but he didn't finish nearly as strong as he started. Um, he's he's an offensive defenseman, and, you know, when he's not necessarily, like, you know, producing as much as he was in the, the first half of the season, he was barred on the MVP. Like, he was he was a godsend. And then, you know, not that he was bad in the second half, but, he you know, he wasn't necessarily as, you know, uh, you know, hitting the score sheet as much as I think he was in the first. So, uh, yeah, I mean – but again, I think it's something to build off of. He has another year of eligibility. He'll be back with us next year. So, um, you know, in the transfers, you know, I, I think, you know, Pearson. Besides Adam Daw, I thought all of them did very well. Yeah. Pearson, I, I thought was, he was one, he was one of the few players that I think he played significantly better in the second half than the first half of the year. Like yeah. He really got comfortable and came on. You know, I think it started almost with CT Ice, maybe, maybe playing Yale kind of kicked him <laughs> in the gear, but. Um, he, he, like, when you think about it, like, it, you know, I don't know, I don't know if I can name, an, maybe Shandor, I guess, would be the only, that I think. Had Shandor's a, my MVP for the season, if I had to pick one. Yeah, that, that I think had a significantly better second half than first half. I think it would be Shandor and Pearson. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, Wood was pretty consistent. I'm not going to knock him, but I don't know anyone else that I would say had a significantly better second half than first half outside of those two. Yeah, for sure, so. Uh Yeah, so let's sort of talk about next year a little bit. It's obviously sort of too early to project what the roster's going to look like, but as of right now, UConn's not really losing that much. So far, no players have entered the transfer portal, and it seems like the only guys that um, at least will leave are the seniors that were honored in graduation day. I know, I know Harrison Reese and Jake Flynn have an extra year of eligibility, but unless I see something on that, I'm just going to assume that they're not coming back next year. And then obviously, uh, Ryan Torberg signed his pro contract, uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, there is a chance that Chase Bradley and Nick Capone could sign their pro contracts, but I, I, if I, if they haven't signed by now, I feel like they're not going to. So pretty much this, most of the players are coming back for next year. A good 85% of the roster is coming back, which I think is going to be really beneficial for this team because they're sort of know what it's like to play with each other. And there's not going to be a lot of turnover. Plus you're adding some really good freshmen, uh, in players like Joey Muldowney and Jake Richards, who are NHL draft picks, who will probably be second and third line players to start off the year, that I feel like adds depth to that forward group. Yeah, uh, you know, losing Torberg hurts, but I mean, I think he led the team in scoring like the two years that he's like been here two and a half or whatever it is, and um, he had nothing left to prove. So I, I can't blame him and wish him nothing but the best. I hope he makes it up to the Leafs. I'm sure he's going to start out with the Marlies, but. Um, which I think they come to Hartford in April. I think there's a Wednesday night in April. The yeah. Marlies come play the Wolfpack, which I will be at for sure if Torberg is playing for them. 
Um, yeah, so, you know, you wish him the best, but at the same time, it's, it's a big blow, you know, um, uh, and I agree with you on, on Capone and Bradley. I think they would have signed by now. I'd, I'd be genuinely pretty surprised, um, if they, if they end up signing this late, because usually, usually the seasons end in college hockey and those players that are gonna sign, sign within like a day or two. Um, there's a few outliers, but for the most part, that's kind of how it goes. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you're returning both goalies, both Turnus and Sergeyev, um, forwards, uh, you're returning a ton of, pro- almost all of your production outside of Torberg. Uh, defense is losing quite a bit. I, I think that's the big question mark is I'd be, sh- <clears throat> I'd be shocked if Cav didn't bring in at least one like grad transfer on D. Like you said, Harris, I, I think Connolly had mentioned too on his spot. I don't think Reese and Flynn will both be back, but I'd also be surprised if one of them wasn't back. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, you got to go to the portal to get another veteran D-man because this this team really could make a run next year. I think. Um, Grant, I say that every year because you know I'm a I'm a sucker. We're fans. It's what we do. But <laughs> yeah, uh, they really are returning a lot of talent on you know from a 20 win you know four seed hockey finish team. So. Um, this is not the year to just break in a couple freshmen on D. Get me a grad transfer, sell him the new arena, sell him where this team has finished the past couple of years and what we have returning. Get me a big boy, like get, you know, someone that's going to, you know, lock it down either defensively or put up some numbers offensively. Like I want to see Cav make a kind of a splash with this, you know, with, with this grad transfer, you know, he's also stayed local for a lot of his outside of, I think uh, was a who's the kid from Arizona State Gormley. Gormley, Gormley, favorite yeah. player. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all time around the ice, but <laughs> but like outside of that, they've all pretty much been local, like either hockey east or Yale or like kind of you pretty know much so Yale like, and hockey east. <laughs> yeah, Yale and hockey. So it's like, hey, go get a transfer from like the CCHA or you know an independent school or maybe a Big Ten kid that wasn't getting enough playing time. You know, like I don't know, like. It, like, yeah, the school that he's at doesn't determine how good he is, but, like, make this one count because I think it could have a, a really big effect on, on how good this team is next year. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think it's a good sign, though, that no UConn players enter the portal. It means that the culture around the team's good and that there's a lot of belief in the locker room that they can do something big. That's just sort of my projection on it. I don't know how accurate that might be. No, I agree. I that That's a huge sign, too. I Because I, last year we had – Berger left, we had Schlein, like, and those were totally unexpected, too, so. Schlein was unexpected. Berger, I could sort of see why he wanted to transfer. That was just sort of my read on the whole situation. No, I get it. Like, there there was definitely, like, you know, signals there, but, like, it wasn't, I, I wouldn't say it was expected either, but, yeah. Yeah. I get what I'm you're look- saying. I'm looking through the transfer portal right now. There's not a lot of defensemen that really stand out to me, but there is some really good uh, forwards that if UConn added, that would be good. Like I think Chase Stevenson from UNH, he had a really good senior year. He was the captain. That's a good guy you can add for depth. Uh, Matthew Gleason from Colorado College, I really liked him a lot last year. He's sort of an underrated player. And then uh, Jack Hughes from Northeastern. I know he was sort of inconsistent offensively, but uh, that's a guy that if you can add him or at least try to sell him on UConn, I feel like he could provide a lot of offense. And that will be that will be an interesting addition. It sounds like though he's getting a lot of interest from Big Ten teams, so I feel like that probably won't happen. But uh, just a name to look out for. Those are guys that I think UConn can target. Wait, you can you can just access like the 
Twitter. Yeah, someone. Yeah, there's like websites where people like have Google spreadsheets where you can look through players. If you want me to send it to you, I will send it yeah, to you. Yeah, you got to so. send me that. I, I'll, I'll be doing a deep dive on that this summer. Let me tell you, that's that's crazy. I never knew you could like just access that. Yeah, so thank you to all the journalists who have like the actual access to the portal so we can see it. I feel like fans should be able to see it. If like, you're going to want to transfer, people should know about it. That's my yeah. opinion on it. Yep. So those are some interesting names. Obviously, I think UMass Northeastern Province are losing a lot of guys to the portal, which is interesting. Uh, so I think I think so that's something else I want to sort of consider is a lot of turnover going on in a lot of hockey's teams. You know, BC's losing a few players that might be interesting. I know they're going to bring in some really talented players. Uh, who knows what BU might lose? Northeastern's losing Levi McDonough. Uh, UMass is sort of going through a transition as well, along with Providence. So I feel like UConn's in a position where they're returning so many guys, and there's a lot of turnover going on with the other hockey's teams that they are in a position to be a top three team in the conference, in my opinion. I agree, but I, I would also, you know, put the caveat in that it's it's also super early, you know. Yeah. So, you know, you know, let's revisit this in a few months and see what those rosters look like. I agree, it's looking good right now, but a lot can change from then, you know. Kids can enter the portal and come back, or they could they could replace them with even better players. Some of those schools, like you know, who, who the hell knows? But I agree. Like right now, in ter- I, I think it, I wholeheartedly agree with you in the sense that such a great sign that our kids aren't in there. Um, that, like I said, like you said, that really speaks to like the culture that Cav has put in there and, and kind of what we're building. So I, I think that's I think that's awesome. Yeah, and I know. Listen, this is one thing I really like about Cav is he seems like a genuinely good person outside of being a good coach. And I feel like players really like seem to like him a lot and want to play for him. And I think that's a good sign to have for this program is having a guy to sort of rally behind. And I really genuinely rooting for him just like as a person that like have success with UConn. Cause I feel like he deserves it with the hard work he's put in. I agree. I honestly, like I've interacted with Cav several times. He he's, he is a, a, a great person. I like my biggest thing is I am just, begging for just one trip to the NCAA cricket tournament. <laughs> That's literally all I want. Like I just get me that. Get me. I don't care where they put us in Fargo and Loveland. Like where Alan yeah. like I will be there. Hell or high water. I just want I don't care if we lose in the game seven one. I just want to go play one NCAA. I want to watch John Butchergross in the selection show call out UConn's name just once. Like, I yeah. feel like I'm not asking for too much, but. Uh, my expectation for the team next year as of right now is to be a tournament team. I think anything short of that would be a little disappointing to me. So we'll see what be. happens. At some point, yeah. we got to put expectations yeah. on this freaking team. Like, like Cav, like, I don't care if he's freaking Mother Teresa. Like, I, I want an NCAA team. He's been here a decade. Just get me yeah. one person in the tournament. You yeah. know, like, it, it's, it's so frustrating to see, like, like UMass, who, who was, you know, in the cellar of this conference has completely lapped us since Kale McCarr walked on campus. They won a national championship. You got Merrimack in the tournament this year, who granted they've had prior success. I think they made it in 2011 and maybe another year before yeah. we entered hockey East, but it's like now they're another one. They're in the turn. They have one good year, one good year. They finished ahead of us and they're in the tournament. It's like, like, come on, man, just get me one freaking tournament. Bro. That's yeah. all I'm asking for. So um, it's going to be interesting next year. And, uh, you know, we'll see what non-conference games they get. That's sort of what I'm looking forward to as well. So uh, we, we've already had that conversation, though. But I'll, I hope, hopefully maybe a Big Ten team will show up to Toscano the, the next one year. Thing I, 
I will say is uh, I I I I will keep you posted. Um, listeners of the pod, I'll keep you posted too because my my Twitter hiatus will be over by then. But I specifically uh, asked uh, Dan Connolly as his platinum subscriber. I said, Dan, I said, love your coverage. Thanks for everything you do this year. Like, have a great off season. Enjoy it. You know, maybe we'll catch up at a soccer game or whatever this summer. I said, the only thing is please, for the love of God, let me know who Cav has scheduled for non-conference. And he's like, next time I talk to him, he's like, I'll do like an exit thing and I'll, I'll definitely ask him. So I'll keep you guys posted. Well, a little teaser for the podcast this week. We already know who the women's team is going to play uh, for their non-conference games. Uh, and that episode with Chris McKenzie will be out after this one. So stay tuned for that. Nice. So... Now, just uh, one more thing before we end this pod. It's a little bit shorter, but honestly, I don't feel like talking about UConn losing this game. It's just really disappointing and frustrating. But uh, just what's your thoughts on the national tournament this year and uh, who do you think will win it all? Uh, so, you know, it, it's funny. I, I, I was I do a, a podcast for my fantasy hockey league, and um, we were talking about this uh, the other night, and I was saying – because a lot of the guys in, in the league don't always follow college hockey. And the way I put it to them is it's a lot like college basketball in the sense that the, you know, the NCAA hockey tournament, the first round, there's a ton of upsets, like schools you'd never think in a million years, like the AICs of the world beating the St. Clouds of the world, you know, a uh, ton of upsets in the first round. But by the end, by like the frozen four, the cream always kind of rises at the top, the Denver's, the Duluth's, the, you know, the, the, the BUs, the BCs, they're, they're usually there. Maybe not in recent years, those schools, but, um, but that's kind of how it goes. So I, I'm looking, I'm looking at a couple things that, you know, I was, Minnesota has been good all year. They're obviously the overall number one, but I don't know that, that Atlantic hockey champ always puts up a fight. Like whether, whether, whether they win or not, I don't know. I'm so disappointed it wasn't Holy Cross though. That would have been funny for the rematch in 2006. (laughs) I know, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I expect Kanishas to put up a fight. I would not put that past them winning that game. Um, I, we were talking earlier before we got on here. I totally agree with you. I I think the Western Michigan is a, phenomenal first round love game. that they put it at 2 p.m on a thursday though really trying to get people excited for that tournament <laughs> i know seriously uh so that one's big um Michigan. i love the ohio state harvard game that's the really one that stood out to me like i think both those teams are super talented so like ohio state is a really good goalie but harvard has some of the best offensive players in the country so that's gonna be a fun one to watch yeah, I just I, I think harvard's gonna crush him i think harvard's a really really good team yeah I, they're, they're my pick to go to go to the Frozen Four out of that region, honestly, I, I think Harvard's really good. Same. Um, I, you know, you look at Michigan; they got the one seed, but they got to go to Allentown, which is in Penn State's backyard, and Penn State is also in that region. So that's that's kind of a disservice to Michigan. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I think, and I think Denver has a couple injuries, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, they've been struggling. They lost to Colorado College in the NCHC semifinal. Yeah, that kid, I think Carter Mazer, whatever, he's nasty. Um, he played on the, on the U.S. World Junior team and, and they're playing court. How about that? We were both arguing <laughs> in the beginning of the year between Cornell and Ohio State. They both make the tournament have fantastic <laughs> years. Um, yeah. so yeah, a couple, a couple of teams, UConn fared much Wouldn't better at one than the other. Um, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Cornell over Denver. Yeah. I, I personally, I think the winner of, so I'll go like this. So Bridgeport region, 
I'm going to take Harvard. Um, Merrimack, like I said, just being there, that's such a kick in the sack for me. That really, that really. I do hurts. think they could upset Quinnipiac. That's my I upset. I see so that too. happening. <laughs> I do see, I think so too, which be another kick in the sack, but, um, I'm still going to pick Harvard in that region. Um, going to Manchester, Western Michigan BU, I think the winner of that game wins that region. I, I think Denver is a little banged up. Um, and I think they're both better teams than probably Cornell. So I, I think whoever wins that game, if the bias in me, I'd like to see BU win just because to give a little, you know, that's, that really sucks. Hockey's only got two, you know, two teams in this year. I, I thought we were a really good conference this year. I think we kind of ate each other up in conference play, but. UConn so did help. That was going to be the third team, but then they found a way out of the net picture, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so BU, um, I'll pick them in, in Manchester. Allentown, um, I'll go, I'll go Michigan. Um, Penn State's got the home ice. If they can get past Tech and they meet Michigan, then, you know, that, that, that one will be a, a tough road game really for Michigan. We'll see. But I think, I think Michigan will learn from their, from their, uh, get knocked out last year with that super talent. They're super talented again, but, um, you know, they, they have high aspirations. Fargo, I mean, you gotta go Minnesota. I, I, I think, I don't think Minnesota State is as good, nearly as good as they've been the last couple of years. They lost their, uh, their goaltender. What was his name again? Um, Dryden McKay. Dryden McKay, yeah. He Minnesota. has the whole drug thing though after, if you don't remember yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so yeah, so they're, I don't think they're as good as they've been. St. St. Cloud, I don't know. I haven't heard much about them this year. So I'll pick Minnesota. So Mm -hmm. I got Minnesota, Harvard, BU, and I'll go Michigan. Um, and then maybe, uh, gosh, out of those four. Harvard, because he seemed really high on that. Might as well pick him. I know. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Harvard win it, honestly. Uh, I guess I'd go – I like – I wouldn't mind BU winning for the street cred for Hockey East to yeah. kind of take that back. Although recruiting-wise, they, they, they don't really need any more advantages. Well, they're getting um, – apparently they're getting the potential number one overall pick in 2024 draft coming next year, Macklin Sobrini. He's been, like, lighting up the USHL, and they're going to pull a Matthew Wood and try to bring him in early. Oh, really? Because they won't yeah. keep him if he's picked number one overall. So that's why. That makes sense. Yeah, I think I'll go on the record and I'll say, I'll say Michigan is is my pick this year. I, that that that's my official locked in UConn hockey podcast pick. That is literally my, that is literally my pick as well. I had Michigan uh, winning it oh. all. I just feel like usually the most talented team never seems to win. So that's sort of why yeah. I like don't want to pick them. And I feel like Michigan will learn from their mistakes. They have a lot of players that came back from that team last year and they still have a lot of talent so I just feel like that mixture will work for them well and I think they probably have the easiest path to the Frozen Four because they play Colgate and then they play a Penn State team that they've had success against or Minnesota's to play a Canisius team that I feel like is going to play them hard and then play a really good St. Cloud or Minnesota State team and then Harvard's going to have to play Ohio State and then potentially Quinnipiac or Merrimack. So that's why I have Michigan. The only difference from our Frozen Fours was I have Western Michigan making it out of the Manchester Regional and not BU. I just think they've been sitting at home. They're, well, BU's been sort of riding high on winning the Hockey's Championship. So that's sort of why I have Western Michigan winning that regional. 
Yeah, that's pretty good. I think we're pretty much on the same page with those. I, I just think Michigan with Luke Hughes, Adam Fantilli, that team is pretty stacked. Um, but they're also mature. Like Hughes was there yeah. last year. Like, you know, like big goalie Eric Portillo was there last yeah, year too. He's a big boy too. So yeah, I, I, I yeah, they're, they're my pick, but you know, like I said, you, you'll love seeing the upsets in the early rounds. So it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, that Minnesota team's loaded though. That Cooley, Nice, and uh, Snuggerud line is just—that's pretty much an NHL line. <laughs> I know. I'm not gonna lie though. I, I'm 100% rooting for Quinnipiac against Merrimack. I do not want. <laughs> I, I kind of want Merrimack to win just for hockey's pride. And I'm not the—I'm—I'm I'm not into. I know a lot of Connecticut people love Quinnipiac. It's just—I don't know. I'm—I'm I'm more like a Sacred Heart guy. If I had to pick a Connecticut school outside of uh, UConn, just because the underdog mentality, Quinnipiac's dominated a lot. No, I get, believe me, it, 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 you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it, there's not a good choice, but I just, I'm very petty and I'm, I'm, and I have no problem admitting I'm extremely jealous of Merrimack and yeah. I do not want them making a run. So it's just, it's funny because like UConn does the same exact thing as they did this year, losing in the overtime in the hockey's championship, but they don't make the tournament. Well, Merrimack does. That was like, so any any Merrimack fan that's upset about that loss, like it was a hundred percent worse for UConn fans the previous year. And in the other thing is, if in believe me, I've sued about this long enough. Like their non-conference was not very good. Merrimack just turned it on hockey East play. Like they tied, I think, like Yale or something like that. Like I think they like, lost to Brown too, or something like yeah, that as well. Their non-conference was awful. Like they rode UConn's coattails for the hockey's pairwise <laughs> non-conference. And then they played, admittedly, they played much better than us in hockey. But, yeah. but man, I was like, our, our non-conference blew theirs out of the water. So, yeah. So you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Kevin. I really appreciate you talking with you all year and having you as a co-host uh, for, I think, good half of the season, I would say. So I appreciate that and look forward to talking with you um, in October of this year that should be a lot of fun it feels still long away though which is the one thing i can't stand about college hockey is the off season's a little too long for yours truly but we'll try to find something to do in between then but um until then until you come plays rpi at toscano in early october <laughs> i can't wait to <laughs> i can't wait that we can't wait to talk to you then <laughs> oh man well thanks so much for having me it's it's been a blast i really enjoy doing these and uh yeah i'm sure we'll be we'll be talking long before october don't kid yourself matt yeah as soon as that schedule's released, the preseason polls will be all over that. So, yeah, yeah. hopefully it's a good year. Enjoy the off season, and I uh, appreciate you having me. Yep, I'll be watching a lot of NHL, UConn baseball, and um, Red Sox as well. So that'll be my off season, and I'm assuming you're gonna do some fun stuff and watch some other UConn athletics uh, throughout the spring as well. Oh yeah, I'll be I'll be watching uh, UConn men for sure. They got their Sweet 16 game against Arkansas Thursday. I'll be hitting up some. Um, big New York Rangers fan. So, you know, hopefully they make a run this year and uh, yeah, Hartford athletic, I'll be going to those games and that'll be good, good summer, good break. So. Awesome. Awesome. I just wanna love